Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rhetoric. Better to release your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you as usual. Today we have a special interview. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Anyway, welcome aboard Michael Ruffnan from Brooklyn, New York. Welcome aboard Bruce Pollard from Kingwood, Texas. Welcome aboard E2247 from all over. And of course, there's Patrick Barron from Florida through New Hampshire. Welcome aboard. Let's see, AVQ from Brooklyn. I think I got that already. Welcome aboard Yvette Avery Herod, our beautiful lady from Atlanta, Georgia. We don't have everybody in the house quite yet. We don't have everybody in the house quite yet. Anyway, we have Michael Rosenson, kind of distracted family stuff, listening in from Twitch for at least a little while. Well, we take whatever we get from all our people. Welcome, folks. Uh, E2247 says 29 February 2024, at least 112 persons killed and more than 280 wounded by Gaza City. Civilian lives killed was most in the week. UN and France, but not US, want massacre investigated. I don't know what the hell the United States is doing. I honestly don't know what the hell our, uh, our department is doing. I don't understand why we cannot see that the massacres affected by Israel in Gaza right now is going to have a material effect on all of us. We have a government right now that is that is allowing uh, that, uh, you know, abstraction is an interesting thing. And what they don't understand is people may not understand the word abstraction, but they can sure feel it. They can sure live it. And that's what the rest of the world is living, seeing. They are seeing the abstraction of, in their minds, what the United States is doing to a people. It's what the people in Michigan uh, are seeing and why, uh, why many of them, I don't know if we can ever win their votes back again. Uh, I can't understand why our foreign services our president cannot see that this asymmetry in killing not only is it not sustainable but it actually shows a certain deviancy within our character our inability to see our inability to empathize with those who are going to you just have to look at day after day a hundred three four months of this going on and you watch those people at the shoreline in the Mediterranean with bombed out buildings, no shelter, no food, nowhere to use the bathroom appropriately. And you can't feel that. You can't see the inhumanity in that. You can't see that if you are supporting that, whether you are Jewish or otherwise, that somehow there's something wrong there. Can't you see that? Uh, it it scares me. It scares me. Look, it scares. Look, I when I'm voting in November, I am not voting for any person. I'm voting for country direction and policy. What that means is that if Biden runs again, I am going to be hitting that button that will actually get Biden elected. I won't be voting for Biden. I'll be hitting that by, that button that gets Biden elected because I cannot understand how a president of a country that claims to be honorable, that claims to love life, that claims to be of life, 
can see what the animal of Israel, Netanyahu, is doing and not stopping the murderous, genocidal killings. I'm sorry. I can't hold back and I cannot. I think all of us with a voice, all of us with a voice, I think it's incumbent for us to make sure to say this. These are lives. These are lives. South Africa from E2247. South Africa is furious that the massacre breached ICJ's provisional orders, in its case accusing Israel of genocide in Gaza. Biden told GOP to pass a foreign aid bill after passing an emergency funding bill on Thursday. Biden says it will help ensure that Israel can defend itself. I don't think Israel has a problem in defending itself, but I do think Gaza and the West Bank has a problem of being able to be free, has a problem of being able to have an inalienable right to life because it's clear that their life has no value to our government and their life has no va- lives have no value to the government of Netanyahu. I don't see, I, I, for any human being who is thinking, for any thinking human being, how can you not see that? For any human being with a soul, how can you not see that? Okay. E2247, 100 and 1, 605 casualties equals 692 per day of estimated 5.8385 million people equal 1.9% of West Bank and Gaza Palestinian population with 30,228 Palestinian kills equal 206 per day. That's an airplane crashing every day. You know? And, And you're correct, E2247, silence is simplicity. Bruce says peace to all. How can we stand by and watch what is becoming action with honor, without honor? Michael Rodney says the Hindu news massacre by Israel troops at aid delivery site in Gaza draws condemnation. The Gaza Health Ministry condemned the massacre in Gaza City, saying that 112 people were killed and more than 750. Bruce just said it best. As we are more than a proxy, I agree. Maywood says, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon and happy Friday to you as well, Brother Wood. Michael Rodden says, IDF shot at Gaza trying to get food and medicine. This caused a panic. Over 100 died, over 700 injured. This needs to be called a war crime. I agree. Hey, y'all. Lee Grant, welcome aboard, my brother. Uh, hemos llegado. Happy Friday. We have, we've reached, according to Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain. Eric Hayes asking if we will have an Ask Egberto anything this weekend. Of course, we will have an Ask Egberto anything this weekend. Uh, so let's go ahead and sign up. I'll put the sign up slip in there later on. Maywood says, yeah, I was wondering what about Eric Ask Egberto. You know what? I better uh, put it into the feed right now so that I don't forget because, you know, I am so perturbed about what's going on in Gaza right now. I'm telling you, it hurts my heart. Okay, I have the Ask Egberto link in this thing. Uh, Ask Egberto anything at 11 a.m. Central, 12 noon. 
you can you can zoom into me and we can have a face to face talk or a voice to voice talk and you can ask me anything we can talk about anything it's your program all right michael rudden says idf shots at gas and try I, I read that already um let's see uh bruce says we should be sending troops to stop and aid i think eventually we're going to have to create a beachhead but god knows how we do that israel has that place mined up from what i understand you know they can't i mean they're in a prison they can't leave their own shoreline they can't jump in a canoe and say i'm going to go across the mediterranean and get to hell out of gaza but they don't want to do that anyway that's their land you know where is the heart Michael Rudden says abstractions are when article headlines don't say who's at fault, yet the article contents explains the full. But most people don't read the articles past the headlines. BBC, Israel-Gaza war, more than 100 reported killed in crowd near Gaza aid envoy. That is dry. That's a crazy headline. That headline should read BBC, Israel-Gaza war, more than 100 killed by the ID, the Israeli IDF under the auspices of Netanyahu near Gaza aid envoy. That's what that headline should read. At least 112 uh, Gaza envoy, at least 112 Palestinians are said to have been killed and 760 injured trying to get desperately needed aid in Gaza. Then down in the article, Israel's military says tanks fired warning shots but did not strike the lorries. Adding many of the dead were trampled over. Sure, they were trampled over. I didn't vote for him today. Actually, I did. And let me explain this, um, uh, Bruce, my, my thought process here. And thank you, Bruce, first of all. You have always shown character, something that too few haven't. And to all my friends, I know Ju uh, Bruce doesn't mind me saying this. My brother, Drew Bruce, is Jewish. So uh, he understands. And, and there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of Jews in this country. I have dozens of Jews that I know personally. Their hearts burn because of what Netanyahu is doing. And they feel, having known what had been gone through as a people, what this means. It's sad. It is sad. Send no troops anywhere unless someone here would like to volunteer. Well, um, we, are, we have troops all over already. This is reality. Lakin Riley murder affidavits. I'm not reading that crap because you're falling into the migrant crime uh, lie. Uh, Patrick Barron. Exactly, Egberto. I will hit the Biden button only because I love my country and I took an oath to protect this country with my life. I will allow fascists to win. My grandpa died in Bastognia. I, brother, I understand what my brother, uh, my brother Bruce did. And in, in, in Texas, it doesn't matter. But as an activist and someone telling that's going to be telling people in November to pull that trigger for the Democratic Party right down the line, no matter what, I believe one of the things I must do is lead by example or not ask anybody to do something that I hadn't myself done. What Bruce did, I think, is a necessary protest vote. What the people in Michigan did, I think, was a necessary protest vote. I was all behind them. But as far as being not being a hypocrite, I think it was essential that when I told you how I voted and how I actually voted, that I did what I did. 
Michael Rodney says, thousands killed here every year. Nobody bats an eye. One white girl gets murdered by an immigrant. Everybody loses their mind. Can someone copy paste this uh, Batman Joker? <laughs> I, I just read it, but I'll put it. I will paste it because you've asked. And I don't see my beautiful uh, Miss um, British MCP here as yet. All right, Patrick Baron says, Egberto Willis, I have a pet peeve that our government officials and the corporate media call in Israel a democracy. It is not. It's an apartheid state. That's a 100% correct statement. And not only that, it's a socialist, a, a, a socialist uh, democratic, I mean, a socialist apartheid state. And it's amazing that we somehow want to make it otherwise. Uh, Patrick Baron said, send the blue hats in. Bruce Pollard says, whoever was involved was not a true Jew, as I believe. Thank you so kindly for saying that, Bruce. I think that's an important statement. I think that's an important statement. Maywood says, okay, I'm registered. What time will it be Pacific time? Pacific time, it is 11 minus 2, 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Bruce Pollard said, you didn't stand up for Bernie when you could. Um, well, uh, I I recall, I think you and I went through this a whole lot of times, um, Bruce. I think we went through this a whole lot of times when I talk about voting for Hillary. And I, I have a hunch. I don't quite remember the exact discussion, but I have a hunch my reasoning was pretty much the same. If you look, take a look at my writings at Daily Coast, um, I made a promise I was going to stand by Bernie Sanders up until the end, but I was going to stand by, you know, we definitely didn't want Trump winning. Look at what it brought us after I did that. In fact, I took a lot of knives at Daily Coast for being a Berniak and still a Berniak. I'm still a Berniak. Uh, but again, uh, somebody called into the show yesterday or the day before and said, are you Plato or Aristotle? And I said, I didn't answer it that way, but I am both Plato and Aristotle. In other words, I want, I, I believe in utopia. That's why I wrote the book, How to Make America Utopia. But I also believe that I have to be pragmatic to get to the next step, to the next step. I'm not an incrementalist, but sometimes I have no choice but an incremental change. So I'm not perfect. We are not perfect. And um, I feel. Brother Bruce, I have a responsibility that I don't take lightly. Um, I, I, I have a platform on air and online, and I try my best to do the right thing. And I also try my best to learn. I've learned from you. I've learned from uh, Rodney. I've learned from many people on this. I've learned from uh, uh, Lee Grant. I've learned from all of us because we are all this mezcla de cosas this mixture of stuff okay uh let's see what else i got here uh bruce says israel is a good example of a light government it is what we are destined for bruce let's make sure it's not that's all i'm going to say bruce let's make sure it is not uh what we're destined for let's make sure let's make sure all right Given that I've exhausted all the questions now, let's go ahead and listen to the ambassador from Cuba, and then we'll take it up on the other side. So let's go ahead and do that right this 
minute. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we are honored to have the Cuban ambassador, Alanis Torres. Alanis, how are you doing this afternoon? Well, fine, fine. Well, Thank look, you for having me. Well, let me tell you, um, when I heard <laughs> that you were coming to, uh, to Houston, I said, I've got to speak to her because I've covered Cuba before. I've had a lot of conversations here about Cuba. And I think the problem that we have is many people misunderstand all about Cuba. So what my first question to you is tell me a little bit about how was Cuba formed? It was formed? How did it come to be? The new Cuba. The new Cuba, where after 1959, we uh, got a revolution in Cuba that was uh, led by Fidel Castro, commander-in-chief Fidel Castro. And uh, it came to power after decades of uh, being a neo-colony under governments that didn't uh, took care of our people. And uh, Fidel and the, the revolutionary power uh, came with the program that was uh, in which the Cuban people, the Cuban men and the Cuban women were at uh, the center of, uh, of everything. We had since then free education, free and universal education, free and universal health care. Uh, for example, my family was was not a wealthy family before the the, the revolution, and uh, we were able to go to the university to study free since kindergarten to PhD, and uh, it's the same with the, uh, the healthcare, and that is how you have the new Cuban, the new Cuban that is different, far different from the one from the one that we had before 1959. What was Batista, the part of the old Cuba, like? What was the, the uh, lifestyle of the average Cuban citizen? I'm not talking about the elite. I'm talking about the average Cuban citizens. What was their life like? It was difficult. It was difficult because they, they had a, I didn't, they didn't have a, a, health, a proper health care, the one that, they, that is needed for a human being. The same with education. Uh, you have people in the countryside that uh, depend of certain crops, for example, like sugar. And when the crops finished, they didn't have job. You have in the countryside many children that were unattended, talking about health care, that didn't go to school because they have to work since they were very little to help, uh, help their families uh, to live, to, to have money to, to, to eat. And everything changed. Now we have, uh, since then, we have uh, teachers, we have doctors, even in the more remote areas of our country, in the mountains. And uh, the situation was difficult for them. And that changed with the, with the revolution. Usually revolutions don't occur unless enough people are mad with their current government. Now, after the revolution occurred, it is understood that uh, Fidel Castro attempted to have relationships with both sides of the Cold War, if you will, both the American side and the, uh, the Russian side. Can you mention anything about that? Well, uh, there was a hostile uh, attitude towards Cuba since the beginning of the revolution from the U.S. government. Um, and it was not the same with the Soviet Union. 
And uh, since then, the situation with the U.S., the bilateral uh, relation and the bilateral uh, political situation has been difficult. Now, you have been embargoed. There, was an, there has been an embargo on Cuba for the last, for, since the inception of Cuba, since the beginning of Cuba. And m- many believe that that is the reason why the Cuban economy could never develop to the state that it would be otherwise. Uh, would you say that pretty much a boot was on your neck from the time you started as a country? That's right. That's right. Since February 1962, there has been a, you call it an embargo, we call it a blockade. It's the same. Uh, it is the most comprehensive and uh, long, talking about years, uh, sanction system that have exist against a country, the one that is against Cuba. And it has been difficult for our economy to develop uh, on those conditions. For example, we have not access to the main uh, financial institutions in the world that a normal country have access to. And that gives access to, by the way, to credits to develop infrastructure, industries of any kind. We don't have that uh, privilege. We don't have, it's difficult for a normal company in a third country to uh, have uh, economic and trade relation with Cuba because we are a sanction country first. And uh, since 2021, a country that were re-included in the list of state-sponsored terrorism. So companies are afraid to be fined as as, uh, it has happened in the past. Or having relation with Cuba, with Cuban counterparts in our in, in our country, so it's difficult to develop in those conditions. Cuba cannot import anything that has more than ten percent of U.S. components. So uh, that's the reason what uh, from which we don't have planes, for example, because it, the, the the U.S. components are high and so on. And it happens with machineries for our industries, and it happens with the rest of the of the the, the technologies we you, could call it. You explained earlier that um, one of the reasons you don't have machinery is that that ten percent rule, meaning if ten percent of the components of any piece of equipment comes in there, those companies are liable to sanction. Does that not really say that even if a Norwegian company or a country, a company in Nigeria or Brazil, if any of them attempted to give you a machine, given that they may have a microprocessor that makes up 10%, you can't, they won't sell you that equipment because again, they are liable to sanction from the United States. That's right. They, they cannot do it. They so, cannot sell it to Cuba. So you're black. Every country in the world is blackmailed from being able to do business with Cuba, even if they don't agree with the American policy. They are not allowed to sell anything that has more than 10% of U.S. US components. That's a tough Now, with all of those, because I've always been fascinated uh, with Cuba, uh, forgetting about ideology, forgetting about economic systems, etc., that a company under dire straits uh, had been able to send as many doctors around the world and educate a lot of doctors from around Central America 
had the Caribbean mm. free of charge. How can you do that? And why do you do that? You know, our uh, people, uh, are, we are educated since we are little in, with, uh, uh, with solidarity values. Solidarity is very important for Cuba. It's part of us. It's part of our culture. It's part of our mindset. And uh, we practice that with every country that is in need of any kind of, uh, like this one, of doctors of medicine. And we have sent doctors to more than 100 countries that have asked Cuba for that help, that kind of help. We have done that. But at the same time, some countries need to have their own doctors. For uh, those who, uh, who uh, for example, in very underserved areas or underserved communities, don't have access. The, their population don't have access to them. I've never seen a doctor in their life. They have asked us to uh, uh, graduate doctors. And there's a Latin American School of Medicine in Cuba that have graduated for free thousands of doctors from Africa, from Latin America, from Asia, and more than 200 from the U.S. Young Americans that lived here in underserved communities had gone to Cuba, have become physicians for free, and have come back to the U.S., to serve most of them in their communities. And that is something that we do with proud to help the people of those countries. Now, a lot of people would listen to this interview and they're saying, there is this Cuban ambassador coming to America and she is going to tell you all the beautiful things about Cuba but in reality, it is a darn communist country that's sending terrorists all over the world. First of all, I'm curious because if you're sanctioned as much as you're sanctioned and you don't have the resources for all these other things, where are you getting the resources to be terrorists? We are not terrorists. <laughs> we are a people. We are a country. And our people, we love peace. We are a country of peace. We are a country of solidarity. We are a welcoming country that even Americans, so, someone could, one could, uh, could think, I want an American. I won't go to Cuba because we have, we, we, we don't have good relation with Cuba. Um, maybe I, I could be attacked or rejected or something. No. We are not raised, we haven't been raised hatred, hatred people. We are clear the difference between the relation between governments and the relation between people. We are a country of peace. We don't export terrorism. We send doctors to countries that are in need of healthcare and they don't have enough manpower in, in, the health, in their healthcare system. And they ask us for help uh, for that. But they are our army, if, if you want to call it, is an army of white uh, uh, white coats. coats. The doctors' coats. coats. Well, uh, let, let me just say, I am 
I'm originally from Panama and, you know, my perspective is more of an international perspective. So I really don't generally fall for the propaganda, neither from the United States or from Cuba or from anywhere else. Uh, I simply concentrate on what the deeds are of any particular country and any country that I find is willing to give health care to or give uh, to educate people at a low cost or for free. I think it's good. I think uh, our country here, America, should kind of take note that the birth rate death in Cuba is actually less than it is here in the United States of America. And that most people can get health care, something that we're still trying to get for a lot of our own people here in, in this country. Now, um, earlier on, I asked this question in a session that you had that I still want an answer for. I think I want a better answer for. And that was uh, when after the revolution with Fidel Castro, it was demanded that reparations be paid to all businesses and people whose, whose property was nationalized, understood. And I understand that Cuba paid everyone except the United States because of certain reasons. Of course, I think black people in the United States are still trying to get their reparations as well, but that's another subject. Please tell me, why is it uh, that uh, Cuba, first of all, has not done that? Or why should they do that, given that most of that wasn't even purchased from Cubans? Well, after the, before the revolution, as I was explaining before, uh, most of the land, most of the, our main industries were in U.S. hand, uh, U.S. companies' uh, hands. And uh, after the revolution, we national, there was a process of nationalization. And uh, we had, as you were saying, properties also from other countries. Spain, Canada, France, Germany, Switzerland, and we compensate all of them during years. But most of the, I mean, the, 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 the main industries were in U.S. hands. So the value of that compensation was much, much bigger than, the, than those that I spoke before. And back then, the only thing that we expert was sugar. But the only thing that we have to pay to the U.S. was sugar. We used to have a quota that we export to the U.S. and the plan was to pay with that to those uh, to compensate those companies. But then the U.S. government came and established the sanctions, cut the Cuban uh, sugar quota, and we have we didn't have a way to pay. For example, you could think, okay, but you have money in the bank, in the national bank. No, but it, Batista took that money when he left Cuba. So we didn't have how to pay. It was an, a new government with a country trying to survive. And then you have the main superpower, your main trade partner who sanctioned you. How were we going to pay? Now you're sanctioned. I mean, you're sanctioned more so than China, Russia, or any other uh, country in the world. And then asked at the same time to compensate 
or provide reparation to those people's properties who were nationalized in a revolution. Am I correct? Yes. And going forward, because we want to be forward looking, what is your expectation uh, now that we have an ambassador here in the United States, you, uh, what is your expectation in creating a better relationship with the United States and having the United States citizens beyond the government understand the reality of what's happening in Cuba, both with sanctioning and with uh, actual relationships? Well, uh, our government has conveyed to the U.S. government our will to advance, to have better uh, bilateral relations. And the only condition that we put on the table is respect, which is a basic rule. Uh, respect to our sovereignty, respect to uh, our in and not interference in, sorry, in our uh, uh, domestic issues, which is a basic rule, and is uh, those are principles that are uh, in the UN uh, chart. We, as neighbors, we could have, we could be trading, we could be cooperating in uh, healthcare. Environment, we have common problems. We uh, share a sea border for you is south, for us, for us is north. We uh, have issues of law enforcement, like human trafficking, like drugs, like uh, trafficking in persons. Those are issues that we have to address as neighbors and to be cooperating all that, in all that. But uh, the economic uh, and commercial trade is uh, an important issue because you are a superpower and we are on a small economy that, uh, is, uh, that wants to have a better relation with, with the U.S. But with the sanction, it's difficult to advance. It's very, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we have, uh, you were uh, saying, a boot in our neck. Mm -hmm. It is like that. It is a boot in our neck. It's something that is trying to strangle day per day, and it's difficult to advance with those uh, conditions. But as I said, we are ready to do it, to advance with the U.S., to sit and talk about uh, any issue with that basic rule that I uh, said before. I purposefully did not ask anything about communism, capitalism or any of the isms, and I'm not going to. And the reason I'm not going to touch those particular issues, because it means something to every particular different country. In fact, I can find some good and bad in every single system. But what I, I want to ask you is a, as the last questions, uh, are Cubans, Cubans happy? Well, uh we are enduring difficult times in Cuba now because of the economic situation that we are going through. Uh, our government has the goal to, to provide more for our people, is uh, trying to do it under these uh, extreme and difficult conditions. And uh, when you have scarcities and all that, uh, 
is is difficult. You you were talking about happiness. Mm -hmm. We I'm happy because I know that uh, I have a government that cares about the people that has a plan to go forward that works every day to do it and uh, and I don't have to worry because my daughters go for free to the university I don't have to worry because if I get sick I can go to the to the hospital for free so those are needs basic needs needs that I have that we have covered but it's difficult as I said in the current condition that Cuba's the Cuban normal Cubans are enduring uh, the daily life is difficult but we know we are going to succeed we are we know that it, it will take time but we have plans uh, to do it and uh, as I said our government works 24 hours 24 uh, uh, by seven. To achieve that. I said that was the last question, but I lied. There's one more question. <laughs> There's one more question. There's one more question. Yeah, you're journalist. I always tricky. Yeah. I always tricky. And, and, it, and, but this one, this one here is a bit more serious. And I think, uh, in as much as Americans are going to learn a lesson dependent on, dependent on who they elect in the next Congress or in the next uh, presidential election, I want to hear about one more thing about Cuba. Can somebody in Cuba go on the streets and say, I don't really like my government right now and not get killed for this. I, I, no, no, it's not. I, I know it sounds funny, but people in America believe once you speak out against Fidel Castro, once you speak out against any of the Castros or anybody in your government, no. uh, are they going to be sanctioned, thrown in jail? And, and, no. and how, no, no. Why? Where, where did, is that coming from? I don't know. It's propaganda against Cuba. It's part of the uh, there's a campaign of misinformation about on Cuba, and anything that happened in Cuba that can be common in another part of the world in Cuba, it it might it is magnified uh, when it happened uh, in Cuba. We have law, we have rules that you, uh, I mean. You follow them, you, you don't go to, to jail. We complain every day about things that happen in the country in a positive way, I mean, in a constructive way, trying to, to find uh, solutions to that, and you don't go to jail uh, for that. Uh, I think it's part of the, of the misinformation that is against Cuba because you need a way to justify this uh, criminal this genocide that is the sanction system that is uh, preventing us for, for having a better life. Ambassador Lien Torres, thank you so kindly for Thank the you so much for having me. We, anyway, folks, actually, I enjoyed talking to her both directly on the camera and the things that we also discussed off camera. Um, let, me, let me address a few things here. I was not going to go into capitalism, communism, socialism, and all of that with her. That's, that's an academic discussion, not worth have, uh, having. Where was I going to get with that? 
Um, there, there are certain things that I wanted wanted to highlight, and I think I, I highlighted what I wanted to highlight. Now, where it comes to free school and medical, it is actually true. There are a lot of, uh, and people don't understand why is it that America uh, hates Cuba, but all around Latin America and uh, to, to the to the common person in Latin America and the Caribbean, they have good relationships with Cuba, Jamaica, and all these other guys when they're not under the auspices of America, they have very good relationships with Cuba. And, and one of the things that Cuba has to offer is it educates a lot of doctors for free from around Central America, the Caribbean, and Africa, and, and uh, Vietnam, and other places. Again, these people get a full-fledged medical education in, in, in Cuba. Let me tell you a few other things that, uh, that folks don't understand. Uh, when it comes to school, yeah, school is free. Now, let me tell you, the medical isn't high-tech medical like we have here in the United States because, again, they can't get equipment with high-grade CPUs or anything. Anything that they have uh, most of the time is clandestine or otherwise. But I tell you what, Michael Moore went over there and examined the medical system. And what is quite interesting is that they are able to do and have outcomes much better than this high-tech country that we have with high-tech medicine. Uh, it, it is amazing. They developed a COVID vaccine on their own. Amazing. They developed lung cancer uh, drugs that can't be sold in the United States on their own. I mean, so, you know, people can keep rubbing their heads about this communist country that we embargo and not realize the same. And this is a, the affinity that I have with countries like Cuba and otherwise, right? Uh, here's an affinity. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys an interesting story. You know, people always talk about, hey, black people can play basketball and and they can do X, Y, Z. And, uh, you know, and, you know, they, they have all these stereotypes, not realizing that because society as a whole has put so much stress on people, certain people, that those people, because they have to be two, three, four times as good as the majority population, you make them that much better. That's why you get a Tiger Woods, go into, uh, go into uh, golf and dominate golf. That's why you have basketball dominated because they were able to go there. And then go and dominate. That's why you have, if you take a look at what the U.S. team is going to look like on figure skating or, or all these other things. It's not that any one group is better than the other. What it is, is when you force another group to have to be that much better to make it. That's what you create. A lot of people don't see that. And that's what we did with Cuba. Cuba has had to do so much with so little. Those old cars that they have running through the taxis and all of that. I went to Cuba about five years ago, I guess, six years ago. More than that, actually, it was the last year of Obama that I went to Cuba. Had so much fun again, because again, you know, it was my culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I tell you guys, what we are doing to Cuba is ungodly. Uh, if we could, if we have relationship with Russia, China, and all these, and as well as many fascist countries, it is shameful that we don't have relationships with that little island 
that has so much to offer just because a revolution occurred that kicked the capitalists out that was marginalizing people that was getting that were extracting the wealth of the country it's a shame but anyhow another thing that i wanted to talk about today is uh, a piece that uh chris hayes did and i did queue it up so i'm going to queue it up right this minute i hope to get it queued up uh well actually i'm not going to do the chris hayes i'll do the chris hayes tomorrow let's go ahead and do what donald trump had to say about the police forces that i think we should all take into account i want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side folks i want you to listen to this video let me just a little synopsis it's he talks about several things specifically indemnifying cops which in as far as people of color are concerned is a clear and present danger because what that means is all the prejudices that cops have intrinsic to them intrinsically that they will likely use it they don't have it right now and still it's a problem but they'll use it now and the other issue is to simply make immigrants a problem that they aren't i want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side before we even do anything they're going to leave the country because they're going to understand that I will immediately restore and expand the Trump travel ban on entry from terror play countries, and I will implement strong ideological screening for all illegal immigrants. If you hate America, if you want to abolish Israel, if you sympathize with jihadists, then we don't want you in our country. We don't want you. We will restore law and order to our communities, and I will direct a completely overhauled DOJ to investigate every radical, out-of-control, fake, crooked prosecutor in America for their illegal, racist, in reverse enforcement of the law. I am also going to indemnify all police officers. This is a big thing, and it's a brand new thing, and I think it's so important. I'm going to indemnify through the federal government all police officers and law enforcement officials throughout the United States from being destroyed by the radical left for taking strong actions against crime. Our law enforcement, our police officers are forced not to do anything when they want to. They really want to solve the problem. They're told not to do it under the threat of losing their pension, losing their house, losing their family. That's what's happening to them. They're losing everything. They're told not, they're told not to do anything. We have to support our police. Our police know everything that has to be done. We're not going to allow anything bad to happen to them again. They have been totally put aside. What's, if you remember in Minnesota, Minneapolis, where they took over the police station, they took it over and they burned it down. By the way, what happened to those people? Are those people in jail with the J, with the J6 hostages? What happened to those people? Come to think of it. They're not in jail with the J6 hostages. I don't call them prisoners. I call them hostages. They're hostages. In addition, we will take over our horribly run Washington, D.C. and clean up 
renovate and rebuild our capital city so that it is no longer a nightmare of murder and crime, but rather it will become the most beautiful capital anywhere in the world. Are you kidding me? Indentify cops? That puts, look, uh, for those people of color who somehow decide now that it is okay for me to support this guy, all I'm going to tell you is remember you guys are not Oprah, Beyonce, or Selena, or any one of these folks. You are you. And while uh, those people are supersede who they are, you don't. So specifically, the first group of people that need to realize that voting for Donald Trump is equivalent to voting for their potential murder by cop, and I'm not saying that lightly, they should remember that when these cops stop you, they don't check to see if you're a Republican. They don't check to see if you are a good citizen that uh, kind of appeases them. They just see who you are. So anyone of you, and I'm speaking specifically to my people of color, brothers and sisters, a vote for Donald Trump is not only a vote against yourself, it's a, go- a vote against your daughter, your mother, your father, your son, and everybody else because you have put their lives on the line. An identified police force nationally is equivalent to having an assassinating force out there. And that is not conjecture. That is fact. Now, let's get a little bit further, folks. In addition to that speech, what Donald Trump's attempts to do is make immigrants the boogie persons. He, of course, doesn't tell you that all the cities that these red state governors have sent these, uh, these people to, their crime rates didn't go up. They went down. So what do they do? They sensationalize those few crimes that a few thugs that came from overseas do and make it seem like the norm. Well, you know, I could do the same thing in Panama. Panama just went through a process where we we shut down a copper mine. But in the process of doing that, an American citizen who lives in Panama was driving through uh, the the carretera panamericana, the the highway that goes from Panama to, you know, through Central America to the United States. Uh, He was driving down there and he was so mad at the people who were blocking the highway because of the mines. And he came out, uh, opened his car, shouted a few things and pop a cap in two people where he killed two teachers you know nobody got, gone out there and said oh all those american immigrants are criminals they're thugs they're 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 gun carrying thugs we didn't do that we understood that that one that particular american citizen was a criminal a thug but that's not what donald trump wants you to do here in america he wants you to believe that All those immigrants that come over, including the ones that the few that would commit crimes, which are not even near the crime rate that we have in America proper. 
somehow I've got, I'm going to protect you against that. If he really wanted to protect you, he would go ahead and have good gun control that saves lives. Because that, if you want to know who's doing all the killing, all the places where we have loaded up with guns, all the places where guns are easier to use, that's where you have the maximum amount of murders. That's where you have the maximum amount of suicides. So it's not the people of color that Donald Trump is making the boogie person. It's not the immigrants that Donald Trump is making the boogie person that's causing your problems. It is the policies of conservatives by loading up with guns. It's the policies of conservatives that keep despair in the lives of people by not supporting the policies that move them forward. And that is the message that we have to get through to those people. There are going to be the sycophants that are not going to be that we cannot control, that we cannot get to their minds. But there are people that see that we are in a problematic state, that we have a problem. And there are people honestly looking for solutions and they believe because they don't have alternate information what the charlatan Donald Trump is saying. It is those that we have to reach with civility and respect. We got a lot of work to do. Let's get it done. We got a lot of work to do. Let's get it done. Folks, don't forget this weekend at 11 a.m. Central at noon Eastern at uh, 10 o'clock Mountain at 9 o'clock Pacific. It's Ask Egberto Anything. So that's what we're going to do. Ask Egberto Anything. And you know, I love doing my Ask Egberto anything and you know why it is because because i love my peeps so how do you sign up for ask egberto anything you go ahead and i'm putting the link into the feed right now sign up it's free let's have a ask egberto anything session tomorrow tomorrow at what time again tomorrow at 11 central noon eastern 10 mountain 9 Pacific. Anyway, folks, uh, we need your support. Please support the program. How can you do that? Uh, all the different manners in which you can support the program can be found at politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support. Uh, we're behind in supporting every one of those avenues, whether it's be the people who joined up on YouTube by the YouTube posse or the Facebook posse or uh, newsletters or whatever. So I'm asking you kindly, please become, uh, actually, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to get a hundred uh, people that are, uh, that are paid subscribers to the newsletter. I'm 30 something folks away from that. So it would be great to get a few more subscribers to the newsletter, uh, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. I, I need over a thousand right now. We're at 60 something. I'd like to get to a, a hundred soon. And, you know, get get that drive going for the newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Sign up for a, a paid copy. Look, it's it's think about this, folks. Think about this. If it's less than a coffee a month, it's less than a coffee a month. My dear, beautiful Bridges, move it. Oh, she works. She makes she, if I ah, she destroy our manhood, man. She said I was late because I pulled back my back, lifting three burner barbecue and propane. Not sure we'll make it tomorrow. I will miss you tomorrow if you don't make it, but you know, we love you anyway. 
Um, but anyway, folks, please subscribe to the newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter, politicsandright.com slash newsletter. Anyway, folks, guess what's shipping now? Do I have my book? Where's my book? Where's my book? Where's my book? Look, Tribulations of an Afro-Latino Caribbean Man. How? And it says, racism didn't stop my smile, hope, or journey forward. I hope, I hope, I hope you will go ahead and get the book either in electronic form or you can go ahead and get the, the, uh, the paperback. It's a good, solid book. I think you're going to like the stories and it'll t- teach you a lot uh, as well. Um, Bridge, I haven't sent yours yet, but I'm going to, I'll try to do it this weekend. I've been so busy going, been leaving the house to get a whole lot of stuff done. It's one of those crazy times when I've, I promised to get it out there uh, to you. Anyway, folks, don't forget, uh, go ahead and sign up for the newsletter. I am going to put the newsletter in there una vez más, one more time. Also support the program at politicsandright.com. So support. I got a lot of work to do this weekend. I'm going to try to start uh, working on the audiobook for my new book. All of the other books have audiobooks. So I'm going to try to do some work on the audiobook this weekend, as well as I have to move a couple of websites for a couple of charities that I do some work for. So um, it's going to be quite a busy weekend. Anyway, um, I want to thank you all for being here. Love you all. I couldn't do this without you. Not only couldn't I do this without you, we together have to make sure that we get the right people elected so that we don't go into the place that Bruce is concerned that we're going to go to. So my name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? I'll populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us, please. Join.